Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I do thank you and praise you for giving us uh, grace and mercy. I thank you, Lord, for uh, the blessings that you pour out upon our lives and upon our uh, upon our marriage and our families. Lord, I just let the anointing of your Holy Spirit be at work to meet us at our point of need, at the point where we have nothing. And we just look to you, Lord. Give us the grace to look to you. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Carrie, uh, yesterday I had a chance to, to cover four different foundational ideas that I think too often we just take them for granted or we, we miss out on the depth of being disciples because we don't access them enough. One was prayer, just the importance of praying every day, not just saying I'm Catholic and, and getting upset when non-Catholic stuff hits the world or it gets the Catholic Church is not doing things we want. But if we don't pray, we're not going to be radiating Christ. We're not going to have the spiritual power and, and all of that. And then I talked about hilarity and how hilarity makes it easier to surrender. It's when we're willing to laugh, right? Just to, to let go of, of taking things so seriously and or be more courageous. I was saying for women, it would, they would give them the grace of surrender. For men, it would give them the, the grace of courage. Then I talked about the importance of brotherhood and sisterhood, finding brothers and sisters in Christ who would walk with us in a way that we'd find uh, support, encouragement, and accountability. And then the last one was the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, then we're not just relying on human strength, but we're relying on God. And so those are the four I began with. And I don't know, I actually think that um, I see those four somewhat at work in your life right now. Um, I see how the Lord is, is calling you into places of fellowship with other women, focused on the Holy Spirit, you have been intentional uh, in in new ways and sort of reinvigorating the spirit of prayer in your life. And I think it's that hilarity one <laughs> that is still... Wait, I need to work on? It's still coming to birth in you, dear. It is. Yes. Uh, wait, I am The seeds hilarious. are planted, but uh, you know, you got to till the soil a bit and continue to water it so the weeds don't come up. You know, I think in our older age, and I've said this before, we get stuck in stronger currents uh, deeper crevices of thought, of um, our mind. You want to get we fixed? We get fixed in our ways as we get older. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Are you getting... Yes, I think. Like I remember how. Fluid... <laughs> Is this an excuse? Is this an no, excuse? No, no. I just remember how fluid and easygoing and open and um, uh, excited I was about life and the possibilities and the potential of what I could become or do with my life. And I'm thinking in my twenties. And just everything was on the horizon. And you know this when you're around young 20-year-olds. They're super excited. They're very naive, but in a wonderful, um, innocent way. And they want to take on the world and conquer the world. And it's so refreshing. But I can see now how through life and maybe the hardships or maybe the old formation of my mind or experiences, I've gotten a little bit more rigid which is not a good thing. I'm just acknowledging it and thinking, how do you stay open and spirit-filled and spirit-led and free from becoming quickly triggered or quickly um, like closed to not just what God is doing, but what is going on around you and not letting things bother you? 
So I can attest that yes, hilarity is awesome and, and, and is always needed. But I think um, I have to do, I do say this, when I'm out and about in public, I talk to everybody and anybody, and I really enjoy quick interactions. If I go grocery shopping or I'm at a store or at the library or at the park, I will talk to just about anybody, not um, more out of curiosity, like, hey, why are you buying that? Or what made you, you know, purchase that book? Or I see that, I don't know, fill in the blank. So just the general fun talking, I don't find hard. I'm like not close to people, but I think it comes more close to just the daily struggles of life in the home. Well, yes. I don't know what you want to do with that. I, <laughs> That's not really helpful. Well, no, you covered it. My mind was kind of <laughs> floating around to several things. Like it, it's hard to have that sense of life has this bigger horizon. I think last Sunday at mass, I was looking around at these people and just thinking, you know what, I'm probably not going to be alive in 40 years. And I said, maybe 35, 30 years. I'm like, wow, I could be alive only in another 20 years. That's what I was thinking. Well, you don't think of that when you're in your 20s and 30s. And I life know. is so free and the possibilities and the, and it seems like it's going to go on forever. And then we're at our age, halfway through, thinking, oh. No, no I'm way beyond halfway <laughs> through, dear. <laughs> then it's, okay, things are starting to go downhill and it's getting closer and... Things are becoming more, you know, predominant in what we are facing, like our eternity or um, just the limit of time and the limit of our physical abilities, even our own physicality, like unable to go for a run without aching and pain, unable to sleep at night because you're just awake at different hours, unable to eat whatever you want anymore. You have to be limited. So there's so many ways in which physically and mentally, emotionally, I feel limited. Like I feel the limits have been put on me and it's only going to get more limiting. That's so depressing. <laughs> no. So Carrie, I don't know. No, you walked right into my fifth point. So I said I had seven points and um, I only covered four yesterday. And the fifth point was learn to live well with your limits. Hmm. Learn to live well with your, do you know whose voice that is? Learn to live well with your Father limits. Noonan. Father Noonan. Father Noonan, and this was, he'd be speaking this into my life when I was 20, 25, 26, 27 years old. Tom, learn to live well with your limits. Respect your limits because this is one of the gifts God has given to you. Well, that's a great way to see it as a gift because often it feels like a burden or a setback. Yeah. So I think that... When we, when we were first married 20, almost 28 years ago, I had this vision of let's identify one more obstacle that's holding us back from getting to the heights. Let's conquer that. Let's uproot that. Let's get that out of the way. And then we're going to go higher together. And then the next year we'll do the same thing. And then after five years married, realizing that, hey, wait a minute, the first year issues are still there. 10 years. Hey, this isn't getting better. <laughs> Not in, not in every way, but it was like I began to realize what Father Noonan was saying, that part of going deeper into holiness is learning to be even more respectful of the limits that are part of a relationship. And that's very hard to understand when you're younger. But when we get older... And folks have done studies on this. They call it the second half. 
in the second half, you move from conquering to communion. To being conquered. Oh, communion, okay. Yeah, from conquering kingdom building to focusing on relationships. Well, I think what's interesting is that we're all gathered here, those who have moved here, but a lot of us are restarting, and yet our most optimal time for making friendships and growing easily together and being open to each other is in our 20s and 30s. And to have you know these 50 and 60-year-olds have to be uprooted and start over, it's really going to require work of the Holy Spirit and a work of healing and a work of God and His grace to to bring unity, community in a way that I think we all desire. Yeah, I think it was. it's a time of unexpected or unanticipated challenges. Did not anticipate having to uproot and move, right? Now to settle back into relationships that are, that are new, but we're old. So there are some of those fixed attitudes that, that are present there. But again, even I think there's also that sense of maturity, right? That maturity. So when I think what happens is, if we learn how to respect our own limits, so respecting your limits when it comes to exercising, okay, not overdoing it. If you overdo it, you're going to get hurt. How about just doing it? How about just getting <laughs> down there and doing something? I bought this, I don't know how you say that. It's the Voltaren for arthritis pain. It's like a tropical or topical gel that you put on where your joints hurt. And I was at Costco, of course, asking several of the elderly people in the aisles which was the best ones. And so these two guys come up and they're telling me which one they use and when they use them and one's a pill, two are different rubs. And I was just feeling so old and the effort and the time and the, the space to put forth to actually keep good health just seemed, I don't know, like you're trying to bail water out of a, a boat and it's just you're, you can never catch up. It's it's sinking. <laughs> well, the ship's going down. Yeah. The, well, here's and and to speak to that, I think about what happened over the weekend on the Fourth of July. I started to have a recover recurring impacts from my concussion a few months ago because I was around those loud fireworks in the loud cars in that car racing. Did you talk about going to the state line to the speedway? No, no, I didn't. Um, I, I may have mentioned it quickly in passing. Who got me into that? How did that end up happening? I that, don't know. That was a you, dear. You're the one that was... Oh, the, yeah. well, the kids um, had talked about it so much last year and how fun it was. So I didn't know what to expect at all. I just saw fireworks July 3rd this fun event in the evening. Yeah. What, what it, could be more fun than a demolition derby involving <laughs> RVs and so in, in this speedway? It's not like Indianapolis 500 speedway. It's a small speedway, but there are still cars going fast around that track. I think they fitted them to be the loudest possible they could be. They were so <laughs> loud that the, I was up at the top of the raceway and they were selling in this like little souvenir shop. Just, Hundred had to be hundreds. Just people lined up to buy the earphones that you put over your baby's ear, your child's ear, your toddler's ear, bright pink and bright blue. If they're you know depending on what sex they are, and um, so I think a lot of people were taken aback at how loud these cars were. But what was really fun about this event, even though we're now off topic, is the it's called bump and go. 
Is that what it's called? Where you're allowed to bump the back of a car, have it spin a little, and you pass it. So these are actual cars that they race or the cars they demo later on in the evening. So that tells you what kind of quality race cars they are. They're all just junkers. <laughs> and several of them like would smoke out or burn out. They didn't finish the race. They'd have to go off the track because they ran out of... I don't even know what they ran out of. It was just so painful. And then you get to the demolition derby where they're actually smashing into each other. There's probably like 18 cars smashing into each other. I don't know about that. I it don't was, know how they all don't have whiplash. Was, you know, their neck and concussions yes. smashing, oh. you know, their heads getting whipped around. It was so, I was in pain watching it. So destructive. Yeah. I saw I mean, if you really want to just enjoy destruction, like pure destruction, it was so intense. I know you were enjoying it. You were just oh, it was fun to watch you enjoy it. But um the crowd was really into it and lots of families it wasn't you know an older crowd it was mostly families and multi-generation you know the grandparents all the way down to the grandkids it was a lot of fun but the best was the rvs when they just the whole tops of rvs would fall and slide to the ground and the couch fell out and you'd see just wreckage and (laughs) splinters and it must have been about 12 rvs 14 that Demoed each yeah, other? something like that in in the demolition derby. It was it's crazy. so intense. I sent a I sent a video off to oh. some folks and say, "Welcome to Northern Idaho." It was so <laughs> intense. Anyhow, you, I was concerned that you were going to. Well, I didn't have respect a- my limits, and then you got me some uh, earplugs, yeah. and so that helped so much. But the way that a concussion works is you don't really experience. It's kind of like a, a wave hitting a pool. Um, it hits the end of the pool and then it comes back and, and that's, it can be, it's like a delayed reaction for a couple of days later, all of a sudden, boom, the impact started to show up in me on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. You know, I really feel like, and this is nothing to put you down, but when you say respect limits, I feel like we're getting older and I just don't think we have the same amount of energy and drive and, um, ability to just go all night or get up early or skip all the naps. I just feel like we're slowing down. It's interesting to watch. We were with a family and a gentleman was celebrating his 70th birthday. And it was really interesting to see where they were or where they are. We will be in 10 years. 13 years. Or 13 years, give or take. But where we are now, their kids will be in In like 10 years. years. Yeah. And it was, you see this kind of little window through time to 10 years from now, because it's so hard to imagine when you go from no children married, no grandkids to all of a sudden son and daughter-in-laws and grandkids, that has to be so different. Yeah. And certainly the the folks that we know that are our age and older that have grandkids, it just becomes such the point of focus for their lives. Well, Carrie, we're coming up against a break. Uh, when we come back... Uh, Let's learn to respect our limits. We've, we've reached the limit of this section. When we come back, we'll continue on with Faith and Family on Friday. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find 
uh, a help in if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. So, Carrie, the this fifth point that uh, we were making in the first in the course of this first section was respect your limits because God does. God knows you. He made you as you are. And so, folks, if you're listening to this, sometimes it's easy to get frustrated with limits that all of a sudden emerge in the course of your life because you're getting older or because things aren't changing in the way that you want. You expected certain blockages or certain limitations to be able to be removed. And I mentioned, you mentioned the name Father Noonan. It's Father Mark Noonan. He was a person who experienced extreme limits in his life, limits around neurological processing. And he had to learn to live well with his own neurological processing abilities and limits. And so um, he's someone who spoke from like a deep experience of uh, limits as compared to other normal people, like other people that you'd think normally, like he had no sense of depth perception, like he couldn't play pool uh, on a pool table because he couldn't tell on a flat table how balls would hit. And isn't that interesting? So that would affect driving as yeah. well or any kind of sport. Right. So he really didn't have the ability to play sports growing up because of that neurological processing thing. He um, had great difficulty with texts. So he wrote his master's thesis without any footnotes because of his inability to um, really be able to capture and, um, and, and quote things the way that no people normally would. So he, it, it was his own processing of things. Um, and I think I told you, he, he took a, um, he showed up at a, uh, an, uh, graduate it was graduate school exam uh so a gre um to to get into graduate school he had to um take a test and when he went in to take the test they said oh you also paid for um a subject matter uh test and he's like well, what do you mean he says well you can take another test you've paid for it and they said well what, what can i take and they said well you can take um advanced math and they said okay i'll take that and so he sat down to take the test, and he ended up finishing the test in about 15 minutes um, without writing any notes down. He would look at the, the problem, and he would see the answer. In his imagination, he could see mathematically the meaning of numbers. And he went through and got all the answers super fast, and he's just looking around thinking, well, what am I supposed to do with this time? So he said, well, maybe I should actually try to confirm through writing the answers. So he went down and he saw one. He says, well, maybe that's not right. So he tried to figure it out, writing it out. And he ended up changing an answer. And that was the only one he got wrong on the whole test. <laughs> so extreme gift, but also some extreme limits. That's amazing. Yeah. So... I share that with you all because some of you might be looking at some of the things that the Lord has given you in terms of limits and thinking, uh, this is just holding me back. When a more powerful way to say it is the Lord is using this to draw you close, to draw you close to him, to learn to rely on him, not to rely on your own strength, but to be able to say, this isn't home. 
I live in a fallen world. Not everything that is happening in this world is going to be taken care of here. And so I can be patient with myself. I can be patient with situations that are frustrating to me because they never seem to get better. But instead, bring them to the Lord. Let them be seen as gifts because it's through these very things that I draw close to the Lord and I invite him to come close to me at those points in my life where I'm not sufficient, where I don't have it all together, where I can't get everything right. I think that's a a powerful and important lesson for people of faith to have. Carrie, I think one of the areas where there is maybe that sense of, let's call it disappointment or frustration or a, a hunger and a desire for more is family life. And I thank God for you that you make it a point of focus. Um, you're very intentional and you're willing to take on lots of um, burdens in order to help foster richer relationships in our family, but also in the wider family. And I see that through uh, an event coming up. Uh, it's just coming up in, um, in just over a week. We have a, a family reunion with your side. Yes, I'm very excited about it, as you can tell. I think um, maybe just one of the passions that the Lord has given me is a passion for family and connection, knowing where you come from and where you're going. And I see in the world today a lot of kids that seem a little confused or lost or have nowhere to call home or don't have a solid foundation of their identity of who they're, you know, who created them and what they're made for. And so I guess in the context of being together with family, and that means cousins, aunts, and uncles, it's such an important time to restate and to re-identify and to rename their who they are, not just in Christ, but who they are as, you know, you're a part of this, this clan or this group. And with a lot of um, children, young adults struggling with identity, I think it's such a critical thing to do as parents, grandparents, to help them know who they are a part of or what they are about in that group. Well, and if you think about it for your, for you, you came from a home that had a very strong sense of family growing up, but it wasn't just family. It was family in faith. It was a family. You could not understand your sense of family if you, if you said, let's abstract out, let's Let's, let's, let's draw out of it faith, that dimension of being Catholic. It showed up in how you began your day. It showed up in, in your meals. It showed up in your lifestyle. It showed up in where you chose to live. All of those things that your mom and dad chose were so profoundly connected to their Catholic faith. Yes, that's so true. So... I was struck by the fact that when they looked for a home, what was the, like, one of the key things they wanted was? Uh, that you could walk to church. Yeah. Because my mom didn't drive. My mom didn't drive until she was 60 years old. So imagine your age now, you not driving for another couple of years. And my youngest sister taught her how to drive. <laughs> so funny. Um, so she wanted to be able to walk to church every day. She lived a very simple focused life. It was serving the poor, the the nursing home, and taking care of us kids, going to mass, praying the rosary. I mean, it really was simple. She wasn't busy about many things, 
regarding, well, I don't even know what, what you would say. Her, her life, her life, it sounds like she, she, she's passed away. She is still about serving those in need and making it to daily mass and praying the rosary. And through that, she's just, God has used her mightily. So at this uh, family reunion and, and sharing this, part of what um, our hope is that it would give you some ideas, some things to consider if you're going to go away as a family, even if you're not getting together with many other families or in a family reunion setting, some things that you can do to enrich that experience of being together. Because it it's easy to just sort of stumble into, we're so busy just trying to get out of the house and get to the place where we're going to be on vacation, that um, you might miss out on the rich opportunities to do things that get the kids to be together, right? It's easy to just rely on, let's go to the amusement park and let's watch a movie. But that those are things that can be principally about outside themselves rather than together doing things. So, Carrie, I think, uh, just identify some of the, 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 for instance, things that you've found that um, in our some of our previous gatherings, whether it was in our family reunion setting or even when we've gotten together with some other families, things that were, um, that, that worked. Not everything works. So what would be a couple of things that you've done that work? I think it's easy to do fun meals together. Um, so, and then certain people like to cook certain dishes. So everyone likes to gather around and eat. So when you call upon those who like to cook certain things, um, that they do that. Um, we're doing this season, this year, our theme is World Cup because we love soccer and we're a soccer family. And so we're representing five countries. Two of them are our heritage. Well, actually three, um, Ireland, even though they didn't make it to the World Cup, and Italy, again, did not make it to the World Cup this year, but that's okay. Um, they have great food. And then my brother-in-law is, from, is 100% German, so they're going to do a whole German luncheon. And my sister-in-law is from Mexico, and so we're going to do a Mexican night, and it's going to be a graduation party as well, because four of our nieces and nephews graduated. And for different reasons, we couldn't all celebrate together, so we're going to do a big dance night. Um, and then during the time together, if you can come up with ways to, um, have conversations or do games or, um, create, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of how just the average person can just do it easily without having to, you know, cause it might be a little overwhelming. I think this is what we're going to do at night, um, around the bonfire at night. When we do prayer, we gather around, just say, how has God showed up in your life this year? Or simple questions like that. Where have you seen God work in your life? Or what's something you're really grateful for that he has show, showed you or he's revealed to you or he's um, made you more appreciative that maybe you didn't realize? And so okay, just, I'm going to stop you right there because a lot of folks listening to this might say, okay, you just went way off into outer space. With those but, simple questions? Yeah, yeah. Just how's how God has, shown up in your life and what's God doing in your life and all of that? That can seem so foreign and awkward and strange if families aren't accustomed to talking about faith and God. Well, I guess I would also say this is our 10th year. Would you say 10th, 15th year? I don't remember even when we started doing these. Well, we, when we were first married. 
So, and we don't do it every year. It's like every two years, every three years. Um, but here's how I would say it. I mean, we've, I just want to say we've been doing this for a long time. So right. it's in the culture. So this is something you build towards. If you're not there this year or this season, you set to make a plan where you're building something. So you're just right now laying a small, simple foundation. It starts in the home. And it starts with very simple, easy questions that everyone feels comfortable ask, answering. But it is something that you strategically intentionally build towards. Great. And that's where I would say set it up in a way that like being strategic here, like let's say we were going to go with my siblings and let's say that that wasn't as common in, in their world to talk about it like that. Instead, I could say, why don't you talk about what were the things that were most meaningful that happened in your life this year or the things that you're the most grateful for? Uh, when you say that, yes, that's so much more easy for non-faith and participants. Yet you can bring it to people that have faith that you know in advance, and you can say, "Here are the questions we're going to ask, and we want to let the kids know and others know that we're not afraid to associate the answers of those questions with our faith. That it's the most natural thing for us to say." Well, I'm grateful to God for the blessings of this person coming through this health event. And or I'm, what was very meaningful to me was a retreat we went on and how my faith came alive in a new way and I became more trusting of God. So you certainly don't want to hide faith, but word it in a way where everyone can answer it or access an answer where they feel comfortable for where they're at. Yeah, it's kind of it's providing a bridge. It's a bridge yeah. to faith if there are families there who aren't as quick to lead with faith. So I think what I would say is everyone can gather around a bonfire or gather at night and do some kind of testimony or sharing or um, gratitude time where you get to go around and say what you're thankful for. So. Yeah. And then the, you can do the same thing with... Um, uh, things that are associated with um, affirming or encouraging or even goal setting, right? These are other ways to, like, I think there's going to be a, um, isn't there going to be a, like a graduation, uh, honoring graduates? It just happens that this year at the reunion, there are like, what, four girls that are graduating from high school or three girls and a boy? Yes. All graduating from high school. That's just happened to be the same age. Um, in our among our nephew and uh, our nephew and nieces. Yes, so they're gonna have the parents honor them, and then a couple of the cousins share a favorite memory or some character qualities that they really appreciate that in them, and then do a prayer to fall, you know, indeed like a blessing over them. Yeah, and, and so I think things like that can be beautiful opportunities to bring the the richness of faith into a, a, a broader setting, a setting that is common. Yes. Another thing we do, Tom, is uh, a lot of games. So we, we'll break up and we're breaking up into five teams, as I said, and we'll do a fear factor. So we'll find a bunch of things that everyone has to eat that wants to participate, or we'll do a scavenger hunt with the video cameras and go around the island and um, do different uh, impromptu things and singing and asking strangers questions. And so it's a fun kind of um, intense scavenger hunt. It's just not go find a pine cone or go find a leaf. There's more to the, and then with cameras, you can do so many fun things with videoing and capturing uh, moments. 
And then I think uh, we'll also be doing the Olympics, which is just fun kind of picnic games. And we'll have an evening. We do the Spotify share where everyone picks their favorite song on Spotify for the year. And we try to guess who's, who picked what song. And then we make the playlist for everyone to take home. So these are things we've done over the years. It's not a lot of new stuff. It's just um, things we've refined and that we're kind of now the traditions. Well, when we come back, um, I wanna, I'll finish up this by asking you, where did you get all these ideas from? Because I'm sure you made them all up on your own. Uh-huh. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. So, Carrie, we've been reflecting a bit on some, let's call it some fundamental themes of discipleship that sometimes are overlooked or not engaged in with um, it, with as much, let's call it, helpfulness as they could have for our spiritual lives. So recognizing that the Lord doesn't ask of us to be perfect in a way that removes all brokennesses, but rather we are to learn to live well with the brokennesses that we have. Some will be healed now, some will be healed in, uh, in, in the age to come. I think one of the ways that we can come to appreciate that is through another one of these basic themes, and that's reading scripture. Um, taking time to reflect on scripture in prayer, individually, and together as a group has so much power. Carrie, I think of like the ways that I just have seen that happen just in our own lives in the past week. Well, we've had uh, groups together um, turning to the Lord in the scriptures and asking of him to speak to us. It's hard to overstate the difference that that can make for your spiritual life because it, it shows the way that God is the living God and how he wants to come close to us. So, Carrie, we had a gathering at our house on Saturday night, and it was so beautiful being with these families. There were about, I think, 10 couples with us, and we had a time of praise and worship. And then we um, opened the scriptures, and we just said, let's, let's just be open to hear from God. Like, Lord, what are you saying to us? And, and to believe that God is that attentive, God is that near, God is that personal, that He sees you, he knows you, he loves you, and he speaks to you in a way that you can know that you're being communicated with. And one of the powerful ways that that can happen is in the scriptures. So just have a sense of saying, Lord, what are you saying to us? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Like Eli, the priest Eli said to uh, Samuel, uh, that we could put ourselves in a position of listening and expect to hear from God. It can make all the difference in our spiritual lives. Yeah, just as you're saying that, Tom, I opened up my journal I have here, and it's Proverbs 4, 20, 22. My son, to my words be attentive. To my sayings, incline your ear. Let them not slip from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, 
bringing health to one's whole being. And just that small scripture is so encouraging to my own heart. It's amazing where I can think and feel I'm in one space or place, and then a word comes or a scripture's open to me. And do you ever have just this, like, ah, this aha sense of freedom, of closeness to God, of the goodness of a God our Father? Yeah, absolutely. That, and, and it's hard to describe because it's a spiritual blessing. Right? It's a spiritual grace. It's a grace that the Lord gives um, that is, it's like a breath of fresh air. Yes. Like that, that idea of breath of fresh air. And, and it's something that even though it, it's experienced at a felt level, like there's an experiential component to it, you know that it's not just humanly manufactured. Yes. You have a sense of knowing this is the fruit of contact with God, communion with God, communication from God. It's almost like you're on the sinking sand or the kind of unstable ground. And in my thoughts... I was thinking like sitting across from the lid at the coffee table, <laughs> but you're sinking sand and I'm coffee table. That's good. Whatever I, it takes, right? Whatever it takes. Sometimes where I'm in my emotions and in my thoughts and I feel a little lost and, and discombobulated. And then God's word comes to me and all of a sudden it's this foundation it is on the same you feel like you now are on solid ground and it it is this breath of fresh air that are that's not the right saying it's not a breath of fresh air yeah breath of fresh is that air how you say that yeah um it just sweeps by and it takes my breath away it's so refreshing okay so did you get a breath of fresh air or did you get your breath taken away both can I do both at once I like everything <laughs> I want a b c d e all the well breath the things. Holy Spirit is the breath of God so there you go <laughs> so it's the work of the spirit so we're sitting here in this little humble studio and up against my window is a, a little wall hanging it's a it's like a picture um, is it a picture it's a sign. I can't see it. The computer's blocking me. Okay. Well, it's Second Chronicles twenty fifteen. The battle is not yours, but God's, and that's God's word. And it's it's the word of a prophet that God sent to speak to Jehoshaphat the king when he was being attacked by three armies, completely outnumbered, completely outmanned. No human way of overcoming what was coming at him. And it was simply a word from the Lord. A word from the Lord. The battle is not yours, but God's. Amen. And guess who won? The Lord. <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> the Jehoshaphat right, the good won. Guy. Jehoshaphat won through God's power. Guess how many people Jehoshaphat had to kill among those three armies? I don't remember. None. None. Okay. He didn't even. And, and what the Lord said was go down and watch. Watch what I will do. Because Jehoshaphat did what he could do, which was in his absolute desperation, turn to the Lord and say, help, we rely on you. You are a faithful God. Rescue us, your people, for we have no power to overcome this enemy. And the Lord spoke a word. The battle's not yours, but God's. Now go witness it. Go down to the plain and witness my victory. And sure enough, you have these three armies coming at them. And how, how did they win? Well, Three of the armies, two of the armies said, why should we split the, the treasures we're going to get when we overtake the Israelites? Let's destroy this third army, and then we'll just split it together. So they did. Two against one. Yes. They destroyed that third army. And then what did the other two armies, what did those two say? Hey, wait a minute. 
why should I split it at all? Let me take you out. And then they basically <laughs> destroyed each other. And, and Israel just watched. They're like, we don't have to do a thing. Look what God did. It's how evil outwits itself. Evil exposes itself and eventually burns itself out. But that's only known by someone who's willing to trust in God's word. He could have said, let me do my best and get an army, get out there and try to fight it out. And sure enough, what would those three armies have done? Taken their eyes off each other and just gone after him. But because he honored God, honored God's word, look what God did. And I find myself saying that a lot, Carrie, especially in this economic time. Okay. With inflation happening, prices are going up crazy amounts. And I've never heard you do this before, but in the last few weeks, you've started to monetize the simplest of trips in the car. It's been crazy to think of that. You want to go to your friend's house and your friend is a half an hour away? That's $10. That's costs us $10 to go to church. And you think about that, it's like, I never thought about quantifying the cost of driving to church or driving your your friends are going to take the car and go someplace it's like that's twenty dollars that's thirty dollars and that doesn't include the food that when you get to the other side which has just gone crazy itself so it, it all of a sudden becomes so much more a matter of saying wait a minute how are we going to get through this how are we going to overcome what's coming at us like uh, this tidal wave of inflation this economic difficulty that is just coming towards us to say, the Lord's got this. He's got you. He's got this. That is, you could, you're resting on a foundation of God's word. And that's something that we Catholics need to learn better. For sure, Tom. So I, I think about that. And um, anyway, so, so that's just a, another one of those fundamental principles, one of those fundamental uh Catholic things that are f- fundamental to our tradition, but maybe we're not accessing them as much as we, as much as we could. So, a, a simple encouragement, brothers and sisters, um, turn to God's word. And if you're not sure where to go, uh, do the Sunday readings, and, and that's something that you can do with others, because that can be a really powerful way to um, build each other up. That whole sense of the family of God—that you don't have to figure this all out on your own. And so, Carrie, I know one of the things that you do with your family, your own siblings and your mom, is you guys will reflect together on the Sunday readings. And that's really encouraging to me because you make a commitment to do that. You guys show up, you use uh, FaceTime um, or Zoom, and you guys jump on a meeting together and one of your brothers facilitates it. And then you guys have a chance to just share. You share and you come back to the scriptures and then you share some more and then you pray. I just think that's really beautiful. And we'll be back in a minute with more Sun and Set. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. One of the things that, as I've discerned this sense of God is moving me and you, Carrie, to um, call together Catholics who are longing to go deeper in faith, to be more intentional about seeking formation, 
and and to allow the charismatic aspect of things to come forward more fully. Um, I've just had more intentional talks. I've had more talks about being intentional about growing in faith. And one of the common themes that shows up is, you know, I've wanted more, but I've been hesitant because I wasn't sure how to get there. I wasn't sure what to do. And, but I'm excited about this. I'm excited to come together with you guys and praise and worship and have good teaching and some testimony and fellowship. And so uh, it's just been a beautiful confirming thing for me that taking action like this, stepping forward, stepping out in faith, um, it's been beautifully received to this point. I'm excited to see what's next. So the last one I want to talk about is the expectation that the supernatural realm, the spiritual realm, engages with us in our lives. And that means both sides of the coin. On on God's side, the Lord is stepping in with healing graces. He does intend to manifest and demonstrate his kingdom today through healing graces, graces that will unbind and set us free. And the other side of the coin is the side of spiritual warfare, that there is a realm of the demonic that hates us and is at work through the world and the flesh, as well as direct attacks to attempt to undermine and overthrow, to hold us back, to divert us, distract us, disperse our energies so that we're not attending to the Lord. So Carrie, I know that in this past year or in this year as with your theme of healing, um, you've gravitated towards one of the books that I've used quite extensively when I pray the rosary online, and that's Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Laity. Um, and it, it's two sections in that book. One is focused on the, uh, focused on the two sides of the coin. One focused on deliverance and, and engaging in spiritual battle, and the other is focused on healing and turning to the Lord to access His healing, um, uh, His healing uh, powers and, his, and the sources of healing He longs to bring to our lives. Oh, Tom, this book is gold. It is uh, different than I think most books I've read because it's pretty intense. And I know we've talked about just in the very back, if you want to go through each commandment, it goes into detail. Some of the, I don't know, should I just read one? I Let me say this. I don't know if you knew this, but when we were in some of the deepest moments of like desperation, Yes. And fighting spiritual battles to rescue our daughter's soul from just such darkness. Um, I would pray all of those deliverance prayers from beginning to end. And th- there has to be 50 of them. And I would pray that it would take me about an hour and a half of one prayer after the other. Just it was part of how I would empty out all of the the trauma that I was in, the spiritual trauma of being so desperate for God, I would go through almost every single one of those deliverance prayers, these just different facets of deliverance, and then go into several of the healing prayers. I did not know that. Yeah. I was probably drowning myself in some show while you were downstairs praying and seeking the Lord. (laughs) With this intensity and this fervor and this sense of, I... And, and, you know, sometimes that's what the experience is. Like, I know some of folks that you are listening, um, 
you can be in a in a traumatized condition as a result of a, a wayward child or a wayward spouse or a situation that is just completely out of your control and one way out of it is you just continue to vigil in that place of desperation until you come to peace. You keep emptying out, you keep emptying out, and it doesn't feel like you can get beyond it, but I would just keep pouring out, pouring out until my condition of being like traumatized was transformed into a place of peace. And I know God used it. God was using those prayers, those prayers of desperation um, for, again, for an hour and a half or longer, day after day after day. It was it was just like the long vigil. Wow. I, it was intense. I know that. Uh, I'm just reading through these commandment prayers. They're just so detailed. They're prayers of command. No, these where... are actually not even prayers. This is just if you want to free your conscience and repent of sin. And I'm trying to find out what it even says. Oh, is this on the healing side? It's examination of conscience yeah. with the Ten Commandments. Oh, right. That's, yeah, that's a different section. And it, it goes on and on and on. I don't know. I just want to read one because they're so, I find them helpful because some of this stuff I would not even think about when I was, when I'm going to make a confession. Like, for thou shall not steal. Can I just read a little bit of it? Yeah, please. Sins against the seventh commandment are stealing, petty thefts, example, taking things from one's place of employment to which one is not entitled, or taking money from a family member without his permission, cheating, plagiarizing, breaking copyright regulations, for example, photocopying without permission, keeping borrowed or lost objects without making a reasonable attempt to restore the other's property, possession of ill-gotten goods, counseling or commanding someone to do injury to another person or to his goods, careless or malicious injury to the property of others, concealment of fraud, theft or damage when in duty bound to give the information, tax evasion by not paying just taxes, business fraud, dishonesty in politics, business, not paying just debts at scheduled time and neglecting to make reasonable efforts and sacrifices in this matter. Example, by gradually laying up the amount required, not making reparation or compensation to someone suffering from unjust damages, forcing up prices by taking advantage of the ignorance or hardship of another. Okay, so I just read through half of this. I won't go on to the other half. You better stop. I'm feeling really convicted. I know. <laughs> you read through this. <laughs> I think it's so helpful to say to your son or daughter or your spouse, hey, when it says counseling someone to do injury to another person or to his goods or commanding someone to do injury or have carelessness injury to another's property. Yeah, that was the one I, I jumped on that word because I use that word careless quite a bit with my kids because I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it, I didn't mean it. And, you know, their sibling is crying or something broke. And I'm like, that was careless. And to think of carelessness as a sin, as a type of theft, is pretty striking. Oh, so that one struck you as well? I thought, how about when you break copyright regulations? Not that I have a memory of that, but... I just wouldn't think of that. I would just like naturally go make a copy. You know, I, I, 
I was much more attuned to that because of all the stuff we were doing on the internet. Um, in the early years, it was it was kind of the wild west in terms of like, could you have someone's song on the back of your video oh, yeah. or things like that? So we we always would um, hedge towards the conservative, uh, more restrictive uh, application of the law, just so that we wouldn't put ourselves in a you know, um, in a scandalous position. How about just keeping lost objects without making a reasonable attempt to restore? I'm thinking of all the books we've lost to the library, although we do pay fines. Or when someone offers to give us a toy or a game or some kind of item, I'm like, no, please don't. Our house is a black hole. You will never get it back. It stresses me out when someone wants to loan us an object and I think... I could never get it back to them. like, Or they want to loan us a DVD, and I think it's going to be so scratched and ruined by the time I give it back. So, Carrie, I have a story. Pat Smith, Father Pat Smith, was a pastor of a tiny church in southern Washington. We went and visited him, and he had a library that basically the pastors and priests that had been there over the years had just put, you know, had left the books behind. And this old library, like, Nobody used it. It was basically for the one priest that would be in the parish. And I found a book on like the philosophy of knowledge in 20th century Europe by this particular author that I knew. And it was a book that was so obscure, I couldn't imagine any priest ever wanting it. So I borrowed it from Father Pat. I asked, could I borrow it? He said, yes. And for years... I had that book with us through our married life. And it was probably 20 years in. I would see that book and I'd feel guilty. <laughs> I see that book and I feel guilty. Like I didn't return it to this parish in Southern Maryland that would never, ever want this book. You know, the, but it was still the fact. So I can remember calling Father Pat. Oh my goodness. And I confessed. I said, I, I never that. returned the book. And he said, it's yours. I give it to you as a gift. And I'm like, why didn't I tell you this years ago? I would have saved myself all kinds of conscience. There's my conscience, Carrie. I love it. Seeing a Aww. book on my shelf, I would feel guilty over having that book and not, not making a better effort to return it. Even though a couple times I actually took it off the shelf and I like put it on my pile of things to, to do. To mail out. And then a few months later, back on the <laughs> shelf because I never got it. All right. Oh, that was good. Thanks for that. Thanks for ending the program that way, dear. It was really helps cleanse my conscience. All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening, guys. God bless your day. Join me on Monday for more Sun Insight.